How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Oh, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. <laughs> that was a unique and wonderful introduction. Need, so a, need a new muffler. It's good. It's good, though. It's like, like a lot of a lot of subtleties to that one. How's, how, by the way, folks, Mark Styles is not here tonight. I just want to give a shout out. If it's okay, because it's his wife's birthday today. Happy birthday to you, Jules. All right, Tom, how's your week been? What's been going on? You know, uh, I can't complain, Dr. Joe. Uh, I'm in a very blessed position uh, looking at a lot of the challenges people in the medical world are having to go through right now. Mm. Whether it's nurses dealing with abusive patients, you know, just a lot of horror stories, people dying of COVID begging for the vaccine, just watching helplessly, or doctors having to deal with misinformation, Mm. or psychiatrists uh, having their lives threatened. Yeah. What's going on? Why? What do you mean? Well, this is going to be a story for another episode, but in short, and I've hinted at this for a while, I was sort of a jester for online extremists. And, uh, you know, I was just sitting there at the mouth of the pipeline like so many young men. And now I'm watching a lot of characters from that group from that time talking about how they want to line trans people against the wall. I and so many others feel a need to atone for that. Well, this is one of the places where you can do it. Remember, it's still an I am. You just have to understand it. And I understand that Boston Children's Hospital had a bomb threat today. Earlier this week. Earlier this week. And, and of course, that, that has huge ramifications, not just on the physical health, but on the mental health of folks in our field. With that, Tom, could you please introduce our guest for tonight? Absolutely, Dr. Joe. With more than 30 years of experience as a psychiatrist specializing in addiction psychiatry, he brings compassion, integrity, and administrative acumen to his understanding of physicians' challenges. He is a longtime MMS member and has also served on the PHS Clinical Advisory Committee for more than 20 years. Most recently, he was medical director for addictions at Cambridge Health Alliance. He is an assistant professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School and is board certified in both psychiatry and addiction psychiatry. Welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Dr. Mark Albanese. Yeah, welcome, Dr. Albanese. Hey, thanks so much. I am so glad to have you here tonight. So tell me, what's what's been going on with you and your world? Fascinating stuff. So, um, yeah, thanks for the introduction, Tom. Um, my, uh, my role is as medical director of the Physician Health Services, uh, which is a subsidiary of uh, Mass Medical Society, uh, and uh, by the way, I always like to add the publishers of the New England of the world-renowned New England Journal of Medicine. So there we go. There you go. I got that plug in. Um, and you know, our focus really is the health and well-being of the physicians of the Commonwealth, including physicians in training and uh, and medical students, um, and um, 
you know, it's an increasingly uh, important, um, it, it, it's an increasingly important issue, the, the well-being, not just of physicians, but of healthcare providers um, in, in general. Uh, and, and so um, I, I took this job about a year ago, a little over a year ago, although I've been involved in physician health for, you know, really virtually my entire uh, career. I've um, been in a, on an advisory committee to the Physician Health Service, PHS for short. Uh, and I also have treated physicians over the years and uh, have um, guided physicians who were uh, being monitored by um, by the Physician Health Service. And I can talk a little bit about, about that as we get into this. But, you know, I, I think that as, as Tom mentioned, you know, I'm an addiction psychiatrist. And so for the last, you know, 20 years, my life has been the, the increasingly deadly opioid epidemic. Um, and for the last two plus years, it's the even more lethal opioid epidemic within the context of the pandemic. Um, and yet, you know, a year and a half or so ago, when I was trying to figure out, you know, what I should be doing, you know, with my life, <laughs> I decided that the most, that the, that the, the most challenging crisis in healthcare uh, was the health, was the healthcare crisis of the healthcare providers. And so when I was, you know, when I was offered the opportunity to do the job, this job as medical director of PHS, I really felt like I, um, I really felt like I, I, I had to say yes, that, you know, to really kind of put my money where my mouth is, so to speak. Um, you know, that was what I should be doing. And so here I am. Oh, very grateful that you are. I mean, certainly COVID has, uh, exacerbated this need a lot. I mean, if, if we don't have healthy healthcare workers, who takes care yeah. of those others? So what what is your role now as medical director? You know, I, I guess I, I guess there's the kind of, I don't know, day-to-day -day in the trenches role. And then there's the kind of the step back and take the long view of, you know, physician health role. Uh, you know, day to day, uh, the way it works typically is a physician will either be referred to us or will um, self-refer. Um, and, and typically the referral happens within the context of um, something just not being right. You know, uh, it could be anything from you know, somebody is just a little more irritable, not themselves in, in the workplace, you know, uh, or they're concerned that, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like I've been drinking maybe a little too much. And just, you know, parenthetically, during COVID, uh, alcohol consumption within the United States has clearly gone up. And I'm not saying that, you know, you, you know, that necessarily the, 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 prevalence of alcohol use disorder is worse, but consumption of alcohol has gone up. And certainly physicians and other healthcare providers have 
have not been immune to that uh, to that trend. So in any case, you know, it could be somebody feels like, you know, I I I, I think I'm drinking maybe a little more than I should, or you know, I I, I know I'm I'm burned out, but I think this may I think what I'm feeling is is not just burnout. I I, I don't know what depression is, but I I feel like I may have it. So you know, people will get referred to us, self-refer or, you know, um, or, or come to us and, and, you know, they'll be looking for help from us. Sometimes it's as simple as um, looking for some resources, like, hey, do you know where I could get, you know, a therapist or a psychiatrist, or, you know, maybe I could talk to somebody about my drinking. Um, And sometimes it's really more often it's, it's for a more kind of formalized assessment of um so you know we in in essence are doing a uh what would would seem like just kind of a clinical evaluation now we're not in the position of actually being clinical you know we're all clinicians who staff the the phs but in our roles at phs it's not as direct care uh providers for the physicians who are referred to us um but we certainly will take you know we'll make the initial um you know, evaluation, and then go from there, uh, maybe get a more in-depth evaluation, or make recommendations around treatment. Um, And, um, you know, that's, and and then a certain portion of the people that uh, come to us end up um, being monitored by us over two or three years, on on a contract, basically either a behavioral health or a substance use contract, uh, or a combination of, of of both. And you know, I could talk a little bit more about what what that's about. But uh, what I just described is kind of the is the uh, is just the snapshot of of uh, how it is that we get involved in people's lives, physicians' lives. The therapist must survive. So true. Thank you, Tom. It's true. The therapist must survive, and, and we spend so much time caring for others. Yeah. How are we meant to do that if we don't care for yeah. ourselves? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, just to step back, you know, we all have, I was going to say should have, but the reality is we all, society has a vested interest, whether they acknowledge it or not, in the health of the healthcare workforce, right? Um, because we're all dependent on on that workforce for our own health, right? Um, and in fact, I, one thing I should mention is, yeah, you know, you know, actually, Joe, you mentioned that, um, you know, the COVID, had, the, co- the pandemic has really exacerbated the, um, the stress and and that that healthcare providers have been under the burnout, but implicit in in your saying exacerbate is the statement that we had problems in healthcare predating COVID, right. and you know what COVID did was accelerated the um you know kind of the uh, the um it, it it un you know it really uncovered uh, more quickly than probably would have happened otherwise, the um, the fault lines within uh, within healthcare. 
particularly the fault line in terms of how overwhelmed the workforce has been. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand that even in the best of times that a lot of hospitals are understaffed by design. Do oh. I have that right? I don't know about the understaffing by design, um, but I can tell you that, you know, having been, um, you know, prior to coming to, to, to PHS, I, you know, I was uh, director of an outpatient uh, psychiatry department and, um, and we were, you know, from the day I took that position to the day I transitioned to PHS, we never ran at full staff. It wasn't because we didn't want to. I would have given my right arm to be at full staff, but um, you know, there's just uh, there's there's been issues. It is shortage of of people looking to take, you know, these really challenging positions. And that, of course, perpetuates the stress, right, on the people who are there doing the caregiving because it, it, there are so many people who need care. Yeah, I think your, your point is so well taken that COVID did exacerbate it because it was already there, but right. people didn't want to talk about it. Why did we not want to talk about this? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's a great question. You know, I think first of all, um, you know, we as healthcare providers, and I say healthcare providers because it's not just physicians, right? I mean, I happen to be medical director of the the you know the group that whose whose mission is the health of of um, of physicians, but it's it's all healthcare providers. Um, and as a as a group, we don't comfortably ask for help. Um, and you know we're the ones who are supposed to be giving help. We don't we don't typically ask for help. You know. Um, Joe, you grew up in the medical culture I did. You know, it's it's perceived as a really as a sign of weakness to say, listen, time out. I need a break. Um, you know, I think the younger generation, I think, have something to teach us about this, but still the culture is largely one of or has been lot because I, I I've seen signs of hope of this changing a bit, but in general, you know, we grew up in a culture where you didn't, you didn't whine, you didn't complain, um, you know, you were, you know, you were given positive reinforcement, you know, if, if you just kind of, you know, so I, I still have this image when I was in internship of one of the senior residents, you know, somebody had, you know, he had, I think he had, I think he had uh, inserted his own IV because he had been, he'd, he'd had, uh, some significant GI symptoms and was dehydrated. It's not, it's not really funny, but it's just, you know, he was pushing his own, you know, IV pole around. So we don't, you know, so there's this culture. And then there's the, there's the stigma that goes along with asking for help, particularly, you know, if you feel like your problem is a substance use disorder or a mental health condition, um, you know, there's the stigma that, you know, people experience just in society in general. And then there's the additional stigma if you're a physician and, um, you know, have to answer either a credentialing question at a healthcare facility or a licensing question. Uh, 
you know, on some licensing application. Uh, I'm happy to say, by the way, that in in kudos to the Board of Registration in Massachusetts, uh, because the, there's been language that's been added to the licensing and relicensing applications, so that if you are um, if you're getting attention, particularly if you are getting uh, attention through the Physician Health Service, um, you don't you don't have to uh, acknowledge uh, having a you know having a um, uh, a so-called impairing condition. So, um, and, and you know, there, that's one of those signs of improvement that I've seen. Sorry, Joe. Well, well no, not, not to not to cut you off, but but that's a double-edged sword because what is it saying? Is it saying we still tell you to keep it secret? We're not going to ask you about it. We still have to keep it secret. We're not. It, it shouldn't shouldn't be a question at all. It shouldn't be affecting yeah. your, your licensure at all. Right. Uh, so it's 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 subtle. It it's subtle. There there's a phrase in medicine: "Physician, heal thyself." Right. I, and I think that that's been misinterpreted. That you don't ask for help. Yeah. You don't have to do yourself. Just like that story you just said about the <laughs> puts their own IV in. Yeah. So is this an opportunity for actually physicians to lead the way in mental health? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, um, I, I think it's a, an opportunity for physicians to help lead the way, frankly, beyond even mental health in terms of kind of healthcare reform, basically. You know, uh, interestingly, the, um, you know, the, the Surgeon General convened a, a task force on burnout. And a couple of months ago, I think it was in May, um, they published the report of that task force. And uh, my favorite quote from that, from that report, um, and it's funny, I, 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 I never thought it would get to the point in my life where I would be quoting a, you know, a, re a report from the federal federal government, but you know, there you go. It's well written. Uh, and my favorite quote, I, 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 I've got it down. We must shift burnout from a me problem to a we problem. And, and then they go on um, to basically look at every level of society and basically they have a tick list of what these various levels need to do to address the burnout problem, starting with, um, you know, federal and state government, accrediting bodies, training, you know, training programs, healthcare, uh, healthcare uh, institutions. Um, and as, as I, you know, I, me being me, of course, I, I, I counted up the pages that they dedicated to, you know, making these recommendations. And I think this is about, I don't know, 34 pages of recommendations. Only one and a half of those pages are about what the individual healthcare provider could do. Mm. And it's things like, you know, what you would expect, you know, balance in terms of diet and exercise. Um, but one of the other points is advocating for the change that we think, um, 
you know, we're the ones doing the work. You know, we we know what, or at least we have some ideas about what could improve. Um, you know, for example, you know, I, I mean, it's kind of an easy target, but the electronic medical record, you know, I mean, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think there's actually survey data along these lines, but, you know, my own experience is if, you know, if you asked a hundred physicians, you know, if you could change like one thing in, in, in medicine, what would it be? I think almost a hundred out of a hundred would say, well, you know, make, make the electronic record either go away or make it really work for me. So in, in any case, that's just one example. I don't mean to pick, pick on, you know, IT or the EMR, but, um, but I, I, what I like about the report is it really focuses on, you know, it, because I, I think too often when you talk to physicians or other healthcare providers about self-care, what we can hear is, oh my God, we're doing something else wrong. You know, we're not, we're not taking, you know, bad mark, you know, he's not taking care of himself. You know, it, it, it can, it, it can be internalized in a way that's really self-critical, you know, it can feel critical. Which will then lead you to a greater silence. Right, exactly, exactly. So, um, so that's why, you know, I think, you know, kind of turning it, you know, show, shining the mirror out uh, and saying, listen, you know, we all own a piece of this. It's not a me problem per se, solely. It's a, it's a we problem. And, and so in terms of, you know, physicians taking the lead, you know, I, yeah, you know, I, I think I feel more empowered, you know, to really kind of speak out for, you know, what I think are, you know, are the, are changes that would really be substantially, uh, that would make a substantial difference, you know, because I think, I think often the tendency is for, you know, for other sectors of society to want to make changes that they think would be helpful, which, you know, may be well-intended, but don't really, isn't really what the healthcare providers are looking for in terms of health. You know, as, as more than one person has said, could, please, could you tell them I don't need another yoga class and I don't need another reminder to be, to do, you know, meditation? I do that, you know, I need, I need prior authorizations to go, you know, that kind of thing. So in any case. I'm just curious, again, to go back to stigma. Yeah. Why do you think there was a stigma at all about mental health and substance use? Why are people so worried to, to talk about it? Um. <laughs> yeah, it's a big question. Yeah, that is a huge big question. question. Um, I know it's, well, I... I, I let, let me rephrase. Yeah, are no, I mean, I, I have some ideas about that. Okay, yeah, no, no, please, please. Let, let's well, see the you ideas. know, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I wrote something not, uh, a few years ago. I talked a little bit about the kind of the all or nothing streak that you find in, I think, American culture in, in, in general. Uh, and it, it's... Um, you know, you see it in exercise means, I don't know, like two hours of running or something a day. Well, no, I mean, when I say exercise, I mean, maybe 20 or 30 minutes of, you know, brisk walking. You know, I mean, I, I think there's this kind of extreme and I, you know, I think there's kind of still a puritanical 
street mm. in, in our in our culture and and so you know the the um this notion that one might be you know kind of prisoner of some kind of you know mental illness or of some you know substance it is just it, it, it's it's just it it's evidence of you know weakness maybe moral you know moral imperfection um and you know nobody ever says it that way i mean that it, you know nobody in 2022 is going to say it that way at least in the northeast you know but it it it's there you know i mean we've in, we've imbibed that thinking in a way and it's deep in our you know it's deep in the subconscious i think i've learned well you know i have kids right I have six yeah. of them in fact and um and you know they're the older ones are you know have come into their own as professionals and i see how they you know conduct themselves and there's a much when i was at the stage they're at i didn't have the kind of balance that they have so uh, I think that again, I think there's something that that generation, you know, has to to teach those of us who, you know, who are older in this business. Yeah, and and again, that's what I'm also trying to do with the I am approach is say, you know, we don't have to like that this is the best we can do, but we need to understand it. You know, we, we're influenced by the home domain, the social domain, the biological, but I think what we're really talking about here is the I see. Not just how do I see myself, but how do I think other people see me? And there's this yeah. real concern. Yeah. That if I am seen somehow as having a psychiatric condition or a substance use condition, somehow I'm less than. I, yeah. I am not as good. And you know, one of my phrases, addiction is not about morality, it's about mortality. It's just yeah. the way the brain works. Yeah. But what the I am is trying to say is, you know what? Let's look again at this. As a matter of fact, the more you can look at yourself, the more you can understand who you are and why you do what you do, you can then make these changes. My, my colleague, Andreas Martin, said, you know, one of the most important things to do is, is look at your own mental issues. Looking at your own mental, mental issues, it, it's not self-centered, but it's necessary. Yeah. It's necessary. You know, and, and he also said, unlike most medical professions, uh, nephrology, cardiology, and psychiatry, Dr. Martin said, many of us have a stake in the game already. And that's why we've gone into this. Not yeah. every nephrologist has something wrong with their kidneys. Right. You know, so what do you think about that? That, that we have this, this opportunity now post-COVID, in the middle of COVID, to say mental health is something that we are all involved with. There's, there's nothing there's yeah. wrong with it. Right. Well, and, you know, frankly, even predating, again, predating COVID, yeah, you know, again, as I mentioned, I, I you know, was, um, you know, was, was director of a pretty busy outpatient psychiatry service um in you know at uh what was it cambridge health alliance and um you know was was there for you know, almost 20 years and um you know cambridge like many systems was um you know kind of reinventing itself as an accountable care organization as an aco and 
uh, like, you know, like many organizations really kind of doing due diligence about trying to better understand the population that they serve. And like so many healthcare organizations, I'm about to sneeze, but in any case, uh, I, I think I'm okay. But in any case, well, 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 Mark sneezes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. Look, but wait, and, wait, and, this, this is a metaphor for it, Mark. Yeah. You're allowed to sneeze. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Dr. Al <laughs> over here. No, we, we couldn't we we couldn't have uh we couldn't have scripted that. No, Joe. we couldn't. It was perfect. <laughs> um so you know, you look at the data about your patient population and you find, hey, you know what's kind of interesting is the patients who's you know who uh who tend to use more expensive services are people who have co-occurring mental health and addiction problems. So, you know, all of a sudden there was closer attention being paid to providing those kinds of, you know, of services to the population. So, you know, it's funny, I I said, you know, you, the younger people won't get this analogy, Joe, you'll, you'll understand it. But I used to, refer to myself as the Maytag repairman, you know, uh, I, I, nobody ever called me because, you know, nobody ever was looking for help for addictions. You know, they, they couldn't even find where my office was, I would jokingly say, but then, you know, when it became clear that addictions and mental health issues were really driving utilization of services, um, you know, people became very interested in, in what, you know, my, what I was doing, what my service was doing, that kind of, that kind of thing. So I think that, um, you know, I think there is more of an appreciation for, uh, for the importance of, uh, of mental health, but we certainly have a ways to go, you know, like you've said, um, you know, it shouldn't be that. So, so for example, you know, one of the things I'm very careful to tell physicians when they come talk to me for the first time at PHS is we are um, we are confidential, peer review protected. Um, you know, we will not disclose anything to anybody. You know, you might want to give us consent to talk to other people. We might request that consent, but we'll talk to nobody without your consent. And you know, that's you know, obviously respecting somebody's confidentiality, but. You know, I think what it underscores is that these are sensitive slash stigmatizing kinds of issues. So you need to give that reassurance. Won't we all welcome the day when, you know, uh, you know, looking for, you know, help for depression is no more loaded than looking for help for, you know, acne or something like that. So, um so you're right. There are still those kind of subtle or not so subtle, um, um, you know, issues we have to deal with in terms of obstacles to people um, pursuing health because, um, you, you know, you, you don't want to be known as the the doctor who's, you know, struggled with alcohol, for example. You know, I have great respect for, for Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and the, the help that they give people. I'm just waiting for the day that they take away the word anonymous. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it's still, without meaning to, it says you 
better not let people know about this. And, and that is really a, a, something that we work on. I'm, I'm just curious, um, how many self-referrals do you get compared to people being referred to you? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it's about 40% self-referrals, 60% um, you know, somebody else, like the you know, chief of service, program director, dean, uh, spouse, um, colleague. Um, and it's, I, I skipped around in terms of describing the service, but it's, um, it's, I already mentioned confidential, it's uh, voluntary. So, you know, a physician might, you know, involuntary is a tricky word because it is truly voluntary. You know, nobody can be forced to, to come talk to us and nobody can for, be forced to be assessed by us or, you know, take our recommendations. Off air, we were talking a little bit about the dedication of the mental health worker and the physicians and, and, and all of our healthcare providers. Mark, what, what were you saying about that dedication? Yeah, what I was saying is that, you know, um, what I see over and over again, not, not just the people who are referred to us at Physician Health Service, although it's true of that population uh, as well, but just among colleagues, is what when, when physicians complain about anything, um, and it takes a lot to get somebody to complain in healthcare, it really goes back to feeling like we're not we're not living up to some standard in terms of uh, taking care of our patients. Yeah. Um, and what I was saying is that so much of what what causes us kind of psychic pain and what contributes to that feeling of burnout is, you know, this kind of piling up day after day of feeling like, you know, I haven't done. Now, again, we tend to set pretty high standards for ourselves, but, you know, feeling like I just haven't, um, I haven't lived up to my own standard in terms of caring. Now, mind you, you know, there haven't been patient complaints, you know, patients, you know, love the physicians, but it's the internal you know, the pressure is being, is coming internally. So, you know, it's not physicians complaining about, oh, you know, my, I'm not making enough money. You know, it, it, it's, it's not about that kind of, it's, it's, it, it's, it, it goes back to feeling like I am not doing the, the best I can for my patients. And um, if only the system would give me X or give me Y or whatever. So, yeah. Well, one of our first, you know, oaths is do no harm, you know, do no harm. And that, I mean, that is part of our mission. Yeah. And it's part of our passion as right. well as to help others. And so the idea of burnout, burnout is because we're, we're trying so hard to care for others. And sometimes if we don't care for ourselves, how are we meant to then yeah. still be standing to take care of someone else? And I think that's why I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. So we can send a message to physicians. It's okay 
you, you know, I, I could tell just um, my own personal experience recently. So um, earlier, well, I was going to say earlier this month, but it's now September. So, uh, it, you know, uh, toward the end of August, uh, uh, my my wife and I drove our youngest out to um, the school in the in the Midwest. So we drove out and we drove back and. And for the first time since pre-COVID, um, I didn't check email because this was technically vacation. I didn't check email. And, you know, I went through this process, which, which was, hey, you know what? My title is medical director of the physician health service, right? I'm in the position of reminding physicians to you know, take care of themselves. Hmm. So what kind of hypocrite would I be if, you know, I go on what we're calling a vacation and I'm, you know, I'm pulling out my laptop at the hotel room, you know, checking email, you know, instead of, I don't know, going for a walk around this town we're in with my you know, my, with my wife and, and daughter. So in, in any case, I- how, um, how hard was that for you? Yeah, oh, great point, Joe. And it was, it took, it just took, it took a lot of energy right. to have this laptop with me and use it only to do Google searches for sites that we should be seeing, you know, in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is one of the stops we made. So yeah, it, it was it was uh, you know to see the little envelope at the bottom telling me that there was unread mail uh, was it was it took a lot of it took a lot of energy to not just you know kind of casually click on that uh, and so you know and guess what you know what I didn't you know I didn't I wasn't suffocated by the pile of emails awaiting me uh, when I when I got back. So uh, I can tell you that you can survive such a, you know, such an adventure. Now, and as Tom says, you know, the second rule, you know, the therapist must survive, but the first one is never worry alone. So when you're a medical director and you have a yeah. team of people yeah. that are working with you, it's okay to let them take on right. that responsibility but that's very important teams very important and and one of the you know i mentioned that in the surgeon general report um that uh you know there were um let me find it so there were uh um you know several just just a few um interventions suggestions recommendations for what individual healthcare providers could do one of those five was stay connected. So do what, you know, do whatever you can to stay connected to your colleagues, you know, check in, uh, ask them to check in with you. You know, I had an interesting, um, an interesting, I, I, so I was doing this, you know, I, by nature, I do that anyway. So one of my, uh, you know, friends that I, you know, I, well, I, I kind of supervised uh, this, this, psychiatrist when when he was in training and then we've stayed very close friends and you know i was thinking about him one day and i just texted and said you know how have you been and you know he said you know fine kids are okay he said i'm i'm just reading because i wrote down his quote i'm overworked 
yet feeling like I'm not doing enough. And I replied to him, and I won't say exactly what I said, because some of it I shouldn't be saying on the radio. But I basically made it clear that he was not the only person on this text between the two of us who was feeling that way. And he said, I'm glad it's not just me feeling that way. And, you know, think about that. You know, really, you know, physicians tend to be, you know, you know, a little more intelligent than the average bear for the most part. And, you know, smart guy, really smart. But you could fall into this thinking that you're the only one who's feeling this. And there's something wrong with you that, geez, you can't keep up. So that's why connecting is important because then then you realize, hey, it's not just me. And hey, you know what? I think we need to advocate for some change in, in, in certain sectors. So uh, staying connected is really important. I, I feel, I can't tell you how blessed I feel to have the multidisciplinary team uh, that I have uh, at PHS, as I did when I was at Cambridge Health Alliance, uh, both in the addiction service and in, in the general outpatient, you know, um, the, you know, as, as you know, Joe, there are days that the only thing that gets you out of bed and to work is, um, is you you know, because your colleagues are there and you, you, you just, they mean so much to you and to the work that you do, so. And that's really part of, of the training that we have. That is part of the culture is, you know, we are really helping each other help others. Right, right. And yet, here's the mental health. So, you know, w- with that in mind, the I am approach is, you know, uh, has four domains, your home domain, the social domain, the biological and the I see, how I see myself, how I think other people see me. Because the four domains interconnect, a small change in any domain can have a big effect. You don't need to change everything. Easy. What, what small change can you recommend to our listeners, given the topic we're talking about tonight? Yeah, I, I, you know, there are, there are a gazillion of these. But the one that comes immediately to mind, and I'll go with that one, is um, kindness. You know, because just be a little kind to yourself and be a little kind to those around you. You know, it'll get paid back. So I, it sounds, it, it, it sounds almost, I don't know, something from a, a greeting card, right? But it's, it's still true, you know? Um, you know, treat yourself a little more kindly and treat the people just, you know, in your cliffhanger 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 treat the people in your so i'm, I'm going to sort of go and finish your immediate this. surroundings a little more better if you do that uh, and, and I, so, lo- I love how it does that it just picks up right where left it's right up where somebody left off but but i i agree because that kindness that affects the ic domain and the biological domain of somebody else so great great suggestion the other part about the I am is everybody's interested in what you think or feel about them. And you know, it has an effect on your brain when it just feels different when you feel respected or disrespected. Right. So small changes can have big effects is the first rule, but the second truth, you control no one, you influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. Dr. Mark Albanese, um, what kind of influence do you want to be? You got one minute. 
I personally feel like I, I want to be an influence for compassion. Um, and, you know, I, I hope to be able to, you know, practice that in a way that will influence other people to be a little bit more compassionate. I think that's wonderful. Folks, I, I, I hope you can all understand this. Take care of your mental health so you can take care of others, but you control no one. You influence everyone. You get to choose. Octavian, I said, thank you so much for being here tonight on the Dr. Joe Show. It's been great, Joe. Thanks so much for the invitation. We'll see you all next week. Bye, Tom. Bye, Larry. Good to meet you, Tom.